I'm Michelle Schaefer, and you're listening to the Sold Out Entrepreneur Podcast. This will be a year of increase, impact, and favor, and I want you to wake up to possibilities and dreams that are waiting for you. You can't be the same person this year and reach new goals. I hold nothing back. I will help you make a shift. I'm going to teach you how your mindset, your nutrition, and your personal development are either moving you forward or holding you back. This is it. No excuses. No bull. Are you ready? Let's do this. Welcome back to the podcast. Literally so excited about today. So excited about today. Um, This is going to be volume two of what I know will be an incredible conversation with the amazing and phenomenal world traveler, <laughs> David T.S. Wood. He literally is in between uh, you know, global trips here getting on the podcast with me today. And I just, uh, before, before I even begin the podcast and you hear his voice, I, I just want to say, you know, sometimes there are people that, that you have the privilege of being around that are just they are just special, unique people that just being in their presence, breathing their air makes you a better person. And that's what David is. David Wood has impacted more lives I know than he'll ever, ever know. There will come a day, maybe when he's in heaven one day, and he'll get to see all the lives that he didn't even know he touched. And so by you listening to this podcast and just being in the presence of his voice, you are going to be impacted. So it is an absolute honor, David, to have you on for the second time. Wow. Well, thank you so much for all you do and the magic you bring. And, uh, you know, I just had a little feeling about being in heaven. Wow. <laughs> That's, uh, that, you know, impact's an interesting thing, right? Because, you know, it's a uh, being in the profession of, of a personal development. Some people call me a motivational speaker. Some people, all these different terms. And I none of them fit. I don't like labels anyway. But the idea that when I go to an event or when I travel across the world to do something, I always still go with this idea. And it drives me if one person in this room, one person in this room, and sometimes it's thousands, sometimes it's tens of thousands. But if one person get something from my time here, then it's been valuable. And it's interesting that that's always been the premise that I've gone out, you know, I've gone after It's just that one impact, that one life. So, you know, thank you for what you said. It's very beautiful. I had a little tear in the eyes there as you said that. Before. Oh, well, it's very true. And I read this book years ago called The Room of Marvels. And um, it talked about this man had a heaven experience and he, he was brought to the room of marvels and he got to pull out a drawer and in this, it was this giant drawer and in the drawer were all the experiences in his life that he impacted people that he had no idea, opening the door for somebody, com- complimenting somebody. And David, your, your drawer is so big. <laughs> your drawer is so big that you'll, I mean, it would take you all of eternity to get, to get through the amount of lives. It's always more than one person. Cause if I'm in the room, I'm always one of them, even if it's just one sentence. So, um, I just, I'm, I feel so honored to know you, call you friend and to have you on my podcast. I'm so excited. Thank you. I'm really proud of you for the work you're doing and you know, how you navigate life. And the fact is, you know, you're the real deal, right? So it's, uh, and that's why, you know, I am extremely busy right now. And when you asked to do a second, we talked about it on the last show and we said, we should do volume two. 
you know, I, I'm a big believer in keeping, you know, the words that we speak. I mean, you know, being impeccable with your word is if you say something, mean it. And if you mean it, then follow through. So, you know, this is a busy time, but that shows you to the level of the respect I have for you because, you know, there's a lot of people want me to do things. And unfortunately, we have to say no a lot. And it's something that my, my assistant <laughs> who runs my life, and I love her to death, you know, she really is a gatekeeper, not because I want to keep people out, just because when I'm in, I want to be all in and not half in, right? Yes. And, and I don't take it lightly. I'm, I'm very, very honored by that. And I thank you so much. And, you know, if you listen to the last podcast, you know that uh, David and I don't discuss what we're going to discuss beforehand. I don't send him questions. I don't send him. We just figure we're just going to, I have kind of an idea of where we're going to go, but it's just going to go wherever it's going to go. And so I have two questions today, David, and I'll start with one and we'll see where it goes. Um, you know, as, as an entrepreneur myself, I know that you work with all kinds of people, entrepreneurs, um, people that are employees, you work with stay-at-home moms. You, I mean, you literally, you work with everybody, regardless of their title and what they do for a living. And I think that um, one of the, one of the <laughs> you're, I'm going to ask you a question that probably you've discussed a million times, and I'm sure you're going to have a big answer, but you know, people are always looking for like the special thing, right? The answer or the secret or the thing that they're missing. And you, know, you said this in the beginning, that people call you a motivational speaker, an inspirational speaker, personal development. I mean, really, it's kind of an all-encompassing thing because I just feel like that's life. But but here's, you know, that's life is continuing to grow and develop. So, so here's my question for you today. What would you say? <laughs> this is loaded. This is a loaded question. But what would you say is the most important skill that is required to be a successful entrepreneur? Wow. To be a successful entrepreneur, well, let's say that, you know, entrepreneur, entrepreneur, you know, the fact that entrepreneurship is, is driven by, by a, a sort of a desire or a passion, you know, and so uh, an, a real entrepreneur, it's burning, right? They, 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 it's like they almost can't sleep when they, when they have something in their heart that they want to succeed at. You know, they'll just keep moving forward and noticing. Because there's two different things, right? I'll give you an example. When I sailed across the Atlantic, I mean, I'd never been on a sailboat before. We sailed across on a 45-foot boat. And there was me and the skipper who was an older guy from Little Rock, Arkansas. His name was Tommy Toon. Some of you, if you ever know, this guy became a very famous missionary. Anyway, but he, uh, and there were two girls on the boat who never sailed. And what was interesting was I learned to sail as we went. I lied to get on the boat. I pretended I was a sailor, right? What does this got to do with entrepreneurship? But here's what, what we noticed. When we got to Barbados, so we went to the Canary Islands, the Cape Verde Islands, and then Barbados, is that we were off course almost the whole time. Almost the whole time, right? Because you're wind, you've got waves, you know. So we're constantly looking at the GPS. and We're constantly coming back on course. But if you actually track, because what we do is we get a pen or a pencil on the, on the chart and we would, every time we take a, a GPS reading, we'd like make a little mark and you sort of mark your way and plot your way across. The, but probably only, you know, 3% of the time where we actually aimed in the direction of where we were going. And I think the difference with an entrepreneur and most other people is they have a, 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 a they know where they're going. They have this idea or they have a, a dream, a goal, or they design something or they, you know, they created something and they know what it is. But what they're willing to do that most people aren't is to be off course a lot. 
and then notice they're off course and bring themselves back on through mentorship, through reading, mm-hmm. through trying an error, through, you know, trying something a hundred times, it doesn't work and start saying, well, you know, instead of keep doing that, let me try something else. But they're also willing to put the time in. There's very few success yeah. stories that aren't 10 years old. You know, like, you know, I mean, Mark Cuban, for example, would say that, you know, he's a billionaire. He'd say that, you know, he, he was an overnight 10-year success, right? So that he just, you know, went for it day after day after day when you couldn't see when, when it was the hardest, when it was the most, you know, you think you're going to lose everything, when people aren't on your side, when the shit's coming, you know, it's just like there's all this stuff. And yet somehow you keep the eye on that dream and you keep going through the mud, you keep going through. And that's where the character's built. This is where when you see an entrepreneur that's been through it all, they hear a story, they're like, I know, I know, I've been there, done that, felt that. Get it, but get over it. And get over it fast, you know, because what happens is you get the, the people who fail, the ones that get sucked into it. They get sucked into the negativity. They get sucked into the wrong direction. And they think, well, I'm so invested now, I can't turn the boat. Well, imagine, you know, if I, you know, we set the sails perfectly and they're so perfectly trimmed and the wind is doing its thing, the waves are doing its thing. We're saying, look, this is perfect. And I spent so much time setting this boat up. We're just going to sail this way and see where we end up. Well, listen, we could have ended up, you know, in Tahiti, which would be great if you think you want to be in Tahiti, but not if you've got to be in Barbados on a certain time, a certain date, a certain this, right? So, and the other thing that entrepreneurs do, they're willing to give up on an idea that simply doesn't work. You know, I mean, but, I, and why, why the, what I mean is, you know, if they're going down a road and, and you know, and I, I think I was alluding to that a moment ago is, is my girlfriend, you know, she's doing this huge project and there was a, if it worked, it was going to be like, you know, it was like winning the lottery, but if it didn't work, it was going to fail big. Right. <laughs> you know, and it was like, you know, the, the, the two ends of the spectrum was, but having the courage to go for it. And as they started going down, they invested a lot of time and money and it was brilliant. The media got behind it. Television newspapers are saying, this is incredible. But guess what? It didn't translate into ticket sales. So instead of continuing with the losses, then they had to sit down and say, guess what we got to do? Instead of going all the way, we've got a part of the way. We, 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 we know, we, we've invested a lot of time, but we got we to stop. This is not working. Then how do we know? By results. And so, so many entrepreneurs, right, they'll, they'll, they'll be so, like, I, I see this because I used to own a restaurant and bar. You think about how many restaurants and bars fail. I mean, thousands. You see them come and go all the time, even in my town, right? Because why? Because people love to eat whatever. They start a little restaurant, but the restaurant isn't about food. It's a partly about food. What it's about, it's about, you know, your ability to attract, its ability to create a customer, your ability to create ambiance, your ability to, to pick the right place and the right type of food. I mean, there's all these thousands, but then you've got to hire the right people and then you've got to do your taxes and then you've got to do all these thousands of other things that entrepreneurs <laughs> have to do, you know? And so you see these people that end up, you know, they invest all this time and money. And I, the shortest I've ever seen a restaurant stay open was three months. So the person put $260,000 of their mother's and their father's and their friend's money into this dream, but they weren't really entrepreneurs. And what I've always said about a great entrepreneur is you don't always need money. You know, a lot of great dreams didn't come, I did, you know, people didn't have a lot of money, they had a great idea and they were willing to work for it rather than borrow money from friends and family and, and risk their money is just go for it. So, you know, you buy in, you, you, you find your way into a restaurant space that's failing and you bring it back to life and you take ownership. There's thousands of ways to do it. So I think entrepreneurs have those things. They see the dream, they're willing to go through the pain 
the pain, the disappointment, the negativity, the negative people, the distractions, and they're willing to keep their eye on there, keep resetting the sale, and they're willing to notice what's working, make the adjustments, and then they're willing to quit if it doesn't work. They're not so holding on to this little baby. They're saying, well, this doesn't work. What am I doing next? And they immediately move their energy to something new, still keeping that same thing. Like, well, we set, we've set a new goal now, and I'm going to go. Everything I've learned, though, isn't like, oh, I failed. It's like, hey, how do I take that and I move it into something new and we move, and, sorry, and we keep going. You know, and the entrepreneurs, they, they, they're just a special breed. You know, and, and a lot of people won't handle the first little bit of disappointment, the first little negativity, the first freaking hurdle. And, you know, you, you say this, <laughs> if, if you look at an obstacle, um, Randy Pausch, he, he wrote this and his, um, he wrote the book, but he was dying. I can't remember the name of the book now. But one of his quotes, which I love, is the walls aren't there to keep you out. The walls are there to see how badly you want it, right? And so if you look at an obstacle and if it's a level four obstacle, and you're a level two person, that's a really big obstacle. But if it's a level four obstacle and you're a level eight person, it's no obstacle, nothing, zero. So it's never about the obstacles, it's about you. So when you get into entrepreneurship, it's like that ability to expand beyond the problems, get bigger than the problems, get bigger than the obstacles. So the, the obstacles, when they come, they just fall off you. It's like, yeah, it's nothing, been down that road. It's like Walt Disney went bankrupt seven times. Now, I've never been bankrupt. But who people who've been bankrupt, if someone's listening, I always sit down and say, don't worry about it. You At least you went for it. Now, if someone got hurt financially, you'll understand that disappointment. But no one says you can't get back to work and pay them all back one day, right? No one says you can't do that. But if you look at the bankruptcy as a disappointment and that you're a loser or you're, you know, you failed as opposed to, imagine Walt Disney had never gone through seven bankruptcies. If he never kept the dream that one day he would offer for children around the world, a place that's called the magical kingdom. Well, seven times bankrupt, right? A lot of, a lot of times he could have just said, this isn't working, but he knew. He knew that there was something there, and he had to grow to be the kind of person that could put it together. So when they opened that first park, which was a massive success, but they've still, since had a few failures too. I, I hope that answers the question. It's a very big question, and you said it's a loaded question, but from my understanding of entrepreneurship, that's kind of how I would answer it. Oh my gosh. I wrote so many notes. I was like feverishly writing here. Um, and I wrote a lot of notes as you were speaking. Yes. It answers the question, by the way, like tenfold and, and it, and it opens up so many other things. So some of, one of the things that you talked about, was like a, an undercurrent theme of all the things that you just said about an entrepreneur. They, they both go with the flow and reroute both like simultaneously, like, okay, this is where it's taking us, but okay, that's not working. Let's reroute. You said that they're willing to give things up and go through the pain. It's interesting because the things that it takes to be an entrepreneur are both counterintuitive and contradictory, but required. Like you have to be able to do both simultaneously. And so the word that, that I believe uh, that, that kind of encompasses all these things that you just talked about would evolve, the word evolve. So you're continuing to um, evolve as a human being along with the idea. So you, like you were using the analogy of, of, you know, sailing, you're sailing and you're kind of always off course, but you knew where you were going. So you were evolving with the current. Now the, the main destination always remained the same, right? The destination is always the same, but sometimes the current took you in a different direction. I, I think an entrepreneur will understand, like, let's say the destination. Some of them, though, they, they, they don't have an exit strategy. I always built my companies to have an exit strategy. 
because I didn't want to be in business for doing the same thing for the 30 years. That's what a job is, right? An yeah. entrepreneur is someone that, you know, that builds something, can sell something and move on to something else. Because as an entrepreneur, boredom is not something that really should be a part of an entrepreneurial mindset. It's the challenge. It's the excitement. But having the exit strategy. So you see a lot of people in business who have been in business for 30 years doing the same thing and their energy is just flat and depleted and they're just hanging on. It's like, yeah, they, they have a business, but it's just paying them enough to live. And that kind of entrepreneurship is one that is exhausting. It's tiring. It's mind numbing. And so I think a lot of entrepreneurs who, who really make it big, you know, they just come from a different world. They'll build it. They'll build it until it's attractive. And when someone comes along and says, hey, I want to buy you out, they're not like, oh, but this is my baby. I grew it. They're saying, yeah, like this baby's now a teenager and it can go run with someone else and move into its own house. And with the money, I'm going to go do something else that I'm drawn to. Because as we age, I think we, you know, we see things differently. We want different things. I don't want to be busy all the time, so I'm not busy all the time. I'm busy in the fall. I'm busy in the spring. I always take my summers off. I take my December off, you know, and I make sure that I have a quality of life that I, that I talk about. <laughs> I, you know, I sell people the idea of life by design. Well, I better live a great freaking life, right? I better have that. So as I'm looking out my window at this beautiful lake. <laughs> Yes, you you have a stunning, stunning view. I've seen it many times on social media, and you you absolutely walk your talk. I mean, you do you you work really hard, but you also play, right. and that I think that's really important. One thing that I notice consistently with true entrepreneurs, and I'll define that for you in a second. I'd like your opinion on this. True entrepreneurs, they're they're idea factories. Like it's not a true entrepreneur doesn't just have one idea; they have a lot. Because an idea will spring into another idea, which springs into another idea. Because by design, they're just creative. They, they are creators. So what happens is when you're around an entrepreneurial mind, right? And you start talking about different things. So if you've got two people who are creative, suddenly have a conversation, new ideas are spawned with the, the very nature of who you start hanging out with. I mean, you have a conversation with, and suddenly, boom, the idea. In fact, my friend came over the other night and, and she was talking to me. And she said, I can't believe it. every time I'm around you, my, my thoughts get bigger. And it's just because <laughs> me, it's like, well, she says this. And I said, well, have you thought about this then? If you're going to do this, why not add that? And she's like, why not? And so she gets these things. And she always gets sort of stirred in this direction of, of thinking bigger because, and then when she sees how bigger is easier sometimes, right? It's easier. I and mean, one of the first things I challenged her on was her, how she charged for her time. And I said, can I ask you a question? How much do you, how, how much do you value your time? I mean, how, what's your time worth? What's the number you put on it? Because the way you're billing right now, it seems crazy. Why don't you start billing differently, which would be as a consultant or bill as a package instead of, because right now you count hours and you charge your, your people and she saves these people a bunch of money. She goes in and helps people with their money, their finances, their books, and shows them how, where they're losing money, how to find it and how to and make more money. So here she is, this incredible asset, and she's charging herself out at so small amount of money an hour. And I said, so you're trading time for money when you've got this gift to help people. Why not allow people to buy a package and don't tell them how many hours you work? Because if you can solve the problem in one hour and they're willing to pay you $2,500 a month and you have 10 of those clients and they trust you and you keep saving them money, so win, 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 but you're no longer in the trenches tra trading time for money. And it took, her, it took her a while to get over the fact that A, she was valuable enough. And then B, that she'd have the courage to ask the first person. And when she asked the first person, they said, 
yeah, 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 we'll take the, we'll take the four-year contract. Thanks very much. That's awesome. Suddenly, her whole business model changed. And it's just the idea of you're around someone who's creative. You're around someone who offers you an idea you've never thought about. If you're an entrepreneur, you're going to say, you know what? I like that. And you know what? I'm not just going to think about it. I may be scared to do it, but I'm going to do it. Let me try it. If it fails, that's just one customer. I go somewhere else and practice somewhere else, right? So... Yeah, it's it's really it's really interesting because you know we talk about this in personal development all the time. We talk about who you hang out with matters. It matters so much. I feel like it's like the make or break of people because in my experience, the vast majority of people are not entrepreneurs, not true entrepreneurs. And you know, I'm in network marketing, you're around network marketing in a like very, very big way. And here's what I have to say, David, about network marketers. The majority of network marketers are not entrepreneurs because by definition, an entrepreneur is willing to take a risk, a financial risk. But most network marketers, they're not taking an actual financial risk because they're buying products that they're using. So they're just customers, right? They're not, they're not investing in a building or a company. There's no real risk, especially with most companies. If they're a good company, they have a money back guarantee. So there's zero financial risk, which is by definition, you go in the dictionary, that's what an entrepreneur is. So you have this whole profession and don't get me wrong, everybody that listens to my podcast knows I freaking love network marketing. I think it's the greatest profession on the planet, but you have this, the vast majority of people, they call themselves entrepreneurs, but they're really just customers. I actually don't know if I agree hundred percent that they call themselves entrepreneurs. I think that people who understand what an entrepreneur is, but if you look at it, if you said that 85% of everyone that comes into a network marketing company are customers, so the 85% are just customers, and then from the 15% that are left, most of those don't necessarily walk in with an entrepreneurial mindset. What they do is some are entrepreneurs before they walk in. So they embrace it, they get, they've been down the road before. But I mean, if you've been a plumber your whole life or, and you've been working for a company or you're a stay-at-home mom or whatever, and your skills haven't necessarily led you down the entrepreneurial path, you're in something. But because we don't, I mean, what I would love to do for network marketers is say, you're not allowed to talk to someone until you've been to this school. And this school is going to teach you what a you know what network marketing really is because I'm so proud to be in the network marketing space. It is so powerful, and there's people at home right now. No, oh, you know it's one of those pyramids. You know it's such a bunch of it's just a crop because you know I, I wish people understood this that you know pyramids are completely illegal on the planet. Well, there's probably three countries in the world you can still do a pyramid, but in this country, the last person in America, let's say, the last person that ran a pyramid scheme went to jail for 135. Oh, actually, 300. 50 years, Bernie Madoff, right? 300, what they call a crime is like, and pyramids are completely illegal. The fact that people even let it dribble out their mouth, it's like, what are you talking about? There's no such thing as a, a network marketing company pyramid. It just doesn't exist. If it was a pyramid, the, the owners would be in jail and they'd be in jail for a very long time. Why call a crime, right? But besides that, people join and they don't actually go to school, which means that they're kind of in but they're not in with, like if they bought a restaurant, they'd be in. Yes. Like, because the investment's so small, they're in without realizing that not only they didn't have to invest all that money, they have a global business at their fingertips. They can create any income they wanted, but they still haven't crossed the, on, the entrepreneur, uh, go from, from an employee to an entrepreneur. They haven't crossed the gap yet in their own minds. If they did, they'd be like, hey, what if I'd invested a million dollars? What would I, my behavior be like? I'd get up in the morning and I'd treat this like a real business. 
And if I did, and this is the secret, if you treat it like a real business, it's going to pay you like a real business owner, right? So. Yes. Oh, so, so good. So many great things, David. And, and, um, you know, the interesting thing is about this, this space of network marketing. I mean, I, I could, I could, I could come up with months of content based on the notes I took just from the things that you've said today. One of the things that you said is it's never about the obstacle. It's always about you. And so um, the second question I actually wrote down of the two (laughs) was how do you recover from a setback? But you have already spoken about it because a setback is only as giant as to the level of development that you've had at that moment, right? Here's the thing. The people who are good at recovering from setbacks are the people who've had more setbacks. Yes. Right? And it's just like, and so, you know, there's that great saying that experience is something you get just after you need it. Right? Yes. So, you know, but, you know, when I look at it, I mean, I teach a, a philosophy, you know, the idea of an event versus a story equals a problem. And, you know, for me, it's like, you know, I've been down the road. I've lost people, like young people in our family, 11-year-old died. So death to me is a different animal. I celebrate life. I'm not afraid of dying. Let's say this is a major setback for a lot of people. Most people don't live because they're really afraid of dying. They live in fear constantly. But if you've been down a few roads, it's like you know you're going to recover. It's like, you know, my ex-wife and I are best friends. You know, and, you know, a lot of people, when they go through a relationship, they get heartbroken. And what they do, they bring less to the next one. They're more guarded. They're less trusting. They go in with one foot. They test the waters. They never go in fully again, ever. So so the rest of their lives, instead of being all in, you know, and getting hurt again, I mean, how crazy are we to think that, you know, like my sons, my son's 18 and 20. And I, I, I talked to him about it. I said, I want you to be heartbroken. And I want you to understand your heart will heal, but I want you to go into the next relationship with more, not less, more. Go into the next one. Instead of going to get heartbroken, going to get devastated, right? And so then you go look at the people that have gone through, you know, a house is burned down or this or that. And the more, more uh, adversity, the stronger the person. Because what will happen is if you're, if you're the kind of person that handles adversity, I love adversity. I love conflict. I just think it's a natural part of things. And I'll give you an example. The other day, I can show you from here if you want. If I show you out of the window, you see the base of that tree there? Yes, yes. You see it's all black and brown. Lightning struck that tree. And I live on this, you look at the park there, right? That tree caught fire. And so my friends phoned me. I'm downtown. And that tree and the whole mountain's on fire now. And I get this phone call that said, hey, Dave, your house is on fire. Now, we happen to be at a concert. I'm thinking, okay. And I, I said, is anyone there? They said, yeah, it looks like the fire brigade are already there. So I said, okay, no worries. So I ordered a drink. What can I do? Run home. And what? The fire brigade are there. What am I going to do? Am I going to like, you know, but I wasn't worried. I, I, I said to my girlfriend, I said, hey, there's a chance the house will be gone when we get back. But listen, <laughs> because I'm just not attached. And you can see how beautiful this house is. I mean, yeah. this is a gorgeous house in one of the most beautiful locations in our area. And my view is easily one of the nicest views in the area. But I'm just like, okay, but I've been down the road and I'm okay with if my house burns down, tomorrow I'm going to be fine. I'm going to wake up just the same way. Would I be a little disappointed? Yes. And here's the word. A little, but I'm just going to get on with rebuilding. You know why? Because what's the choice? To go and say, oh, you don't understand. I lost everything. Really? Well, you haven't lost everything because you're still breathing. You haven't lost everything because everything you know is still in your head. So the people who only do a little adversity, what happens is the first time they taste it, they get so scared by it. 
They live smaller lives. And, and so they don't, you, you don't meet people who are good with adversity who haven't been through a lot. Yes. Because they keep going. They keep going. That's why bank, uh, Walt Disney went bankrupt seven times, not once, seven, because he kept going. He could handle anything, right? So the other people who get, you know, try it, they get a little hurt, so they stop. They freeze and they live these small lives. And some of you listening right now, you've got to look in the mirror and say, hey, what kind of life do I want? I actually want to embrace adversity. I want things to go wrong because it's in the going wrong and getting through them is where I really find out who I am. I really find out, do I get sucked into the negativity or do I go through it and it doesn't stick? Because think about that. I always think about negativity sticking to my skin. Right, And so if it's allowed to stick to me, then it's slowing me down. But if I can pass through negativity or anything bad happening, it's like, boom, done. And I had this conversation with my son. My son crashed his, he he bought his first car and it was owned by a guy who was like a a car aficionado and he had all the original receipts. Now it's a 24 year old car and it was only $2,200. But for my son, who was 17 at the time, he was like, dad, this is like, and it had been loved and you could feel the love in this car. This guy Mm -hmm. had looked after this for 24 years. All right. And it had no air conditioning, all this kind of stuff, but it was just the, it was peppy. It was fun. Anyway. So Ben uh, phones me one day. He's like, dad. And I said, what's up? He said, dad, I crashed my car. And I said, well, are you okay? He said, yeah. I said, well, don't worry about it then. He said, no, no, Dad, you don't understand. I crashed my car. I said, yeah, I heard you. I said, but you're okay, right? He said, yeah, but Dad, Dad. I said, do you need me to come there? He said, yeah, you have to see. So anyway, I, he tells me where he is, and I got this little country road. I can't see a car anywhere. And suddenly I see a figure walking in the, in the trees, and I realize Ben's there. So I pulled, turn around, I walk through, and his car is, did I tell the story on the last podcast? No. This car is all the way in the woods. And I don't even know how he got the car. Me and the tr- t- t- uh, tow truck driver walked where he, we saw the wheels going in. We saw the skidding. And we said, how did he get through the woods without losing the whole car? Anyway, he hits a, a, a rams into a tree and he's off about 80 foot drop. And the car stops right on the edge of this drop, right off the car. Anyway, so I walk in there. And, uh, and he's just in shock. He's wandering around. He's, you know, his first car accident, right? I look at him and I go, Hey, nice park job, you know, <laughs> and, you know, at least he's, he's, what I said, I said, nice park job. Anyway, so on the way there, I phoned his mom and I said, Pam, I'm going to bring Ben home. He had a car accident. I said, please do not say these words. You're lucky to be alive. You're lucky you didn't hurt yourself. No energy. It's just an accident. That's all it is. It's an accident. Right. And it, it was a good one. I filmed it and it's like, I should send you the film and you'll think, holy crap, that was a real accident, you know? And he's like all the way in the woods and the car's all smashed up and he's on the edge of a cliff. Oh, yeah, we can make a big story up, right? So anyway, so I drive home and pan to her word. She just gives him a hug, you know, and he's again, a little bit, well, he's a lot in shock. Anyway, so we said to him, uh, so do you want to go to the hospital? He said, no, I feel great. I said, well, go to work then. <laughs> go to work. He's like, what? I said, well, if you're not going to go to the hospital, go to work. You have, you have a job, get to work. So anyway, so you said you can drive yourself to work in your mom's van, right? So the idea is this is just an accident. What we like to do as human beings is to make it more than, oh, my God, he almost died. Every single time he gets, don't worry about the dog. Every single time that he gets in a car, we're like, now be careful. No, none of those words. He already learned his lesson. I mean, he learned the biggest lesson is he rode off the car he loved, and I don't need to tell him to be careful. 
He knows to be careful now because he had the experience. And I keep saying to, to my wife, I said, it's so good he had an accident like that because it's going to make him a better person. Yeah. He lost the car. And here's the second part of the thing. For some people who've been through adversity like me, it's like it's nothing. It's just a freaking car. He's alive. You know, even if he got hurt, there was no even blood. I mean, it would be nice if there had been a little blood, right? It would be a more, better story. Anyway, but, but here we go. So... So I said to him that two days later, I see him. I pick him up in the morning. We go to the gym together. And his car is now parked in his mom's driveway, all beaten up. And it's all, you know, twigs and trees in there, right? And I said to him, I said, uh, Ben, I said, uh, how long do you want to mourn for? He says, what? I said, well, every time you walk past your car, I look at you. I said, how long do you want to mourn for? Well, he said, well, well what do you mean? But what's my choice? I said, well, for a car like this? I said, what about maybe a day? Be sad and then get over it and never think about it again, ever in your whole life. Do you go back and go, you can go back and say, hey, I learned a lesson that, that, that day. Different go back, right? And he said, well, okay, I'll try. And he took him two days. I said, but never think about it again. And now he's just moved to Vancouver. He phoned me and his bike was stolen. He said, dad, I went to the police station and he, he said, what, 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 what should I do about the bike? He said, I want your advice. I said, what do you think I'm going to say to you? He said, never think about it again. I said, exactly. Next time, lock it up differently. You know, the way you locked it up wasn't smart because you only locked the front wheel. I said, you learned a big lesson. It cost you $140 to learn. I said, but never think about it again. Never worry. He's like, oh, look, just let it go. So, you know, the idea of this stuff sticking to us because his other choices are everyone in Vancouver is a thief. I don't trust people. Walk around with absolute trust. Sometimes be smart, right? But certainly adversity is so sexy because it makes us bigger. And then stuff like this happens to my son because I've been through so much. There's no, there's no, there's no story. There's no drama. There's no, oh my God. It's just like, hey, he had a car accident. He went to work. Done. And it was a bigger car accident than most I'd seen. Right. And, but he still went to work and got over it. What's he learning inside? How to get over things and move through adversity. And I can't do that if I'm like, oh, Ben, you know what? Guess what? Listen, I'm going to drive you for a week because, you know, you're probably in shock. And every time he gets near his car, Ben, now remember to drive slowly. It's like, well, how long do I want to keep the pain going in my kid? He's already in pain. He lost his car. I hope that answers it. But that's. Oh, my gosh. It, it answers it. T tenfold. And, you know, it's so interesting as a parent myself, um, you know, and I've been through a lot too, like I way more than my children have ever have gone through yet. And so it's this double-edged sword as a parent for me, I'll just speak for myself because, you know, as much as I don't want them to, to have to have been through the, some of the pains that I went through, I also don't want to protect them from the things that they need to go through to grow. So I'll never forget. Um, my son had moved to Los Angeles. Um, he was like 21, I think, I think he was just 21 and he was living in kind of a scarier area of LA, West Hollywood, real party, like just not where I would want him. And my mom had called him and, and spoken to him and she called me, she goes, Michelle, do you know that Jacob is so broke that he's just eating top ramen? And she knew that I could send him money and help him. And I go, yeah, I know. And she goes, well, don't you like, don't you want to help him? And I said, yes. I said, but if I help him, mom, he will never want for more. He will never learn what it's like to not have and to have to work hard to have more. So he has to feel the weight of, of, 
you know, almost like a rite of passage of going through this time in life where you're not making any money and you're eating top ramen three times or five times a day. Luxury. I used to dream of ramen. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, and, and I, I'm, you know, I mean, as a parent, I hurt when my children hurt, maybe even more as a parent, we maybe even hurt more than our children do because I so don't want them to hurt ever. Like I would do anything for my kids not to hurt, but I also know that in my own life, it's, it is because of the things that I've gone through that I have the ability to do anything. And I'm not the mom. So I think mom, you have maybe a different instinct, but I actually bit, yeah. want them to go through the hurt. And, you know, and Benny just hitchhiked across Japan and he, he couch surfed across China for three months on his own. And he was so broke in Japan. He had to sleep on the side of the road. Right. And I was like, you know what, that's it. He had to make a choice between transportation or, you know, accommodation and, you know, and, but, but like you said, it's like, it teaches him something that I can't teach. I can't teach him that feeling. I can't teach him that. There's no way I could talk about it. I can tell him a thousand times what I learned from my stuff, but until he's laying on the side of the road in the middle of the night in a foreign country and feeling that he's going to have an experience, which is life-changing and he won't even know it's going to, it's going to show up in ways that he's not going to go. Oh yeah. I learned that on the side of the road in Japan. But what happened was this, do you want me to say, this is actually a quite good story. I'm sorry to keep talking about my kids, but I mean. I love it. All right. So what happened with Benny, right? So Benny uh, comes back from Japan. He immediately gets a job and he's just delivering pizza. Remember, he's only 17, right? And so he, he delivering pizza and he really hustles. And I can see that, you know, he was making about 150 to $200 a night in tips, but he was a hustler and his managers loved him because he was a hustler. So he goes, he gets back, he wrote off his car before he went. He gets back and he buys himself, he borrows his mom's van for the first week or two, then buys himself this lemon of a car. It's just a piece of, and I wasn't at home, I was in Australia. Otherwise, probably we would have gone together. So I get back, the lemon's there, and he ends up driving it without any transmission fluid in, so he bugs it up a little bit, right? <laughs> this is his lesson, but this is his, his lesson. He only paid $800 for the car. And so anyway, we go together and we buy a car, and I said, this because I'm here with you, I'll, I'll give you a guarantee. If this one turns out to be hard, you won't lose any money on this phone because I'm with you. So I will actually bear that risk because I'm, I'm giving you advice and I'm willing to help you with this one. This one didn't turn out great, so we managed to get all of his money back. So then he goes to buy, we said, well, let's just buy a, a decent car. And I said, look, what I did with your brother, I paid half, he paid half. So we decided that we'd go and look at a decent car. But he gets a speeding ticket because like, he's hustling a pizza. And a 17-year-old with a speeding ticket, that's a big thing coming the next year. So we go to buy this car. Now this is, he's been home he's, and he's put about five and a half thousand dollars in my safe in cash. So he's hustling. And he said to me, he said, dad, I want to move to Vancouver. How much money? I said, well, save up 15,000 and go, right? So he's got about five grand sitting in my safe. And he, uh, he goes to buy this car. And the salesman, the day before I'd been with him, we looked at this car, it was a little Subaru, but it was newer. And the salesman shows up, his father shows up and just berates Ben and just makes him feel like crap. His mom's with him. Anyway, so I... This just doesn't work out. So he drives home disappointed. He had the money in his pocket to buy this Subaru, but the guy was a complete idiot. He drives home, he gets another speeding ticket on the hill where I live. The cops are off in there, right? So he walks in and he tells me everything. And I can see there's something wrong. I said, what's up? He's like, Dad, I just got another speeding ticket. I said, sit down for a sec. He said, what? I said, do you notice you've had four things now that haven't gone great? And I said, luckily yesterday, you didn't buy this car. This is a Thursday, by the way. I said, you didn't buy that car because the guy was an idiot. Or was he? I said, then you get a speeding ticket. I said, everything's telling me that it's time to leave the city and go and follow the dream you have. 15,000 is just a number, but you have some cash here. He said, well, what do you mean? I said, what's the course you want to take? So he looks online, there's one spot left in the course. This is Thursday. 
right? Okay, but it starts on Monday in Vancouver. It's another city, it's four and a half hours away, but the course actually starts on Monday morning, right? This is Thursday evening. So Friday, and I said, I'll put some feelers out, see if we can find somebody for you to stay temporarily while you find something. Then he finds out one of his best friends happens to be in Vancouver, just lost both his roommates. So they said, Ben, you know, you stay here. So $300, he managed to, to stay in their living room. Right? He takes his drum set, he takes his synthesizer, and goes down there. He, 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 he moves on the Sunday. So Thursday, Friday, he finds the apartment, he starts packing. And I said to him, I said, why are you packing? I said, why don't you go and buy stuff? Like when you, got, when you move into the apartment, you know, bring paper towels and toilet rolls and, and cleaning stuff. So you show up there to contribute. So he does all that. Anyway, goes there, signs up for school Monday morning. And now I just, he just came home for Thanksgiving. He says, Dad, he said, my life is unbelievable, Dad. He says, I love my apartment. He says, I'm acing all my courses. I said, I love going to school. I love the city. He says, and I just met a girl. She's a French ballerina. <laughs> anyway, so here he is. If he hadn't got the speeding ticket, which is adversity, if he hadn't bought the lemon, if he hadn't, you know, got the car that wasn't so great and, he, you know, he kept it for two weeks, but he got his money back. If, if he hadn't got the second speeding ticket, he wouldn't be in Vancouver right now and his life wouldn't be extraordinary. Yeah, he had his bike stolen. But guess what he did? He never thought about it again. He lost 140 bucks. He's over it because adversity is teaching him and he's learning how to move through it. And now he's 18. He's moving through it and he's, he's trusting himself to handle whatever comes his way, right? So that's a long story, I know, but that's brilliant. It's a brilliant story. And it's a great just um example of life. I mean, it's just life. You don't, nobody gets through unscathed. And um it's interesting. Bobby and I have a, a friend who kind of lived a charmed, a little bit of a charmed life. Like, you know, didn't have a lot of adversity, kind of had a lot of things handed to him. And and as an adult, when something wouldn't go his way, you would not believe the uh incapability sort of, of dealing with it and the amount of distress that it causes. And, you know, I, I just, I, I hope that while you're listening to this, you are, you are really, really hearing the underlying truth here that, that, that adversity, um, that obstacles, that setbacks, if you allow them to, they actually are your advantage. They, they are your advantage in life. And it's actually one of the chapters of the book. And oh, good. Yeah. Is, is that, you know, the adversity is the advantage in life. And, and I think that we, as humans, just, you know, we, we work for um, things to be comfortable and easy and to avoid pain. I just think it's our nature. It's the nature of most people. We try to avoid that. Well, yeah, I think that what happens is when you get the habit of avoidance, like one of the part of the story with Benny, when I talked about sitting him down saying, look, there's enough signs right now telling you that this isn't working what you're doing. I think those of you at home right now, if you're sitting in your, you know, that things aren't going well, that is the universe. Or if you believe in God, that's your God or your, 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 your problem, whatever you believe. Sort of saying, hey, buddy, it's not working. <laughs> so, so look at the results and, and in the adversity, make a new decision. So just say, hey, that's not working. So go in a different direction. And what, what Ben's example is, he, he moved cities in two days and started a life that he can't believe is so incredible. And because of that, he's flourishing in a new way. But where was it born in the adversity? And I think for those of you listening, don't be in the habit of staying in the adversity. You know, it's like relationships. You know, relationships aren't meant to suck 
and they're not meant to, you're not meant to be around someone where you feel smaller every time you're with them. So if you've got a partner and every time you're around, you feel smaller than, you feel less than, that's an indication. That's an adversity. And for you to navigate it is to say, hey, enough. All right, because who, and a lot of people are afraid, who am I without this person? But the truth is, in every situation, we're getting immediate feedback, our results. And our results come from our feelings, our, from our actions, the actions we're willing to take. And if we understand what a blueprint is, we have a financial blueprint, a relationship blueprint, a health blueprint. So it's our thoughts, feelings, and actions around anything. Our thoughts around money, our feelings around money, our actions around money is our financial blueprint. Our relationship blueprint, thoughts, feelings, and actions, right? So our actions lead to our results. Right. So it comes back to what are we thinking about your thoughts? You know, one of the big questions you sort of asked there in the beginning. And I would say, you know, what's what just about entrepreneur. But what's what's the key to happiness? What's the key to success? Well, if you go back, what creates our thoughts is our environment. Environment is everything. You know, hanging around great people. What do we put in our mind? What do we listen? What do we watch? How do we treat our bodies? All these different things. The environment leads to our thoughts, which leads to how we feel, which leads to the actions we take, which leads to the result. So if there's any area of your life, money, health, relationship, I don't care what it is, look at the results. If you don't like the results, go back to what you're thinking about. Go back to the feelings you're having. Look at the environment, because if you're hanging around a bunch of negative people, there's a good chance you're living quite a negative life. If you attract a lot of neg negative people, there's a good chance you're quite negative. You can change that, all right? Change the environment, change how we think, change how we feel, change the actions. And we don't have to take a thousand different actions. We could just take one new action, <laughs> apply it over time, and you're going to have a new habit. That new habit is going to create a different result. And when you love the results in your life, and, you, uh, and there's a great saying, and I, I get all my students to say this, when I take 100% responsibility for everything in my life, and everything not in my life, there's no one left to blame. And that's the beauty is 100% responsibility for everything in my life, including crappy people, including obstacles, including everything, positive and good. You're responsible for everything in it and everything not in it. Not in it is like, you know, money you need or, you know, financial freedom or choice. All those things you don't have, you're responsible for. If you don't blame anyone and you start thinking, well, look at this result. I don't like it. Let's go back to my environment. Let's go back to my thoughts. How am I feeling? What actions am I taking daily to create this? Okay, let's change it. And the beauty is, and you know this, and you know it so well because of how you lived your life, is that you are not going to stay stuck in a result that is awful. You're going to say, hold on a second, I don't like this. So I'm going to make an adjustment back to the environment, right? Does it make yeah. sense? Oh, so much sense. And it's <laughs> it's really funny, David. I mean, I... I just admire the way that you think and the way that you look at things. And I, like, I just want to shake people and like download this stuff into them that you are saying here and the way that you live. And um, because it's, it really will shift every single area of your life, every single area from, from, from the things that are seemingly small. I mean, it's all relevant, right? To what you your your ability to look at things as big or small but when you've been through big things like you have and, and I've been through big things um it, it really does give you such a different perspective and so what in in closing here I know we're we're running we're running close to the end here of the time in closing here um I, I hesitate to say this because this is good. It's not going to sound what I mean it like, but I don't know how else to say it. So in kind of closing here, I mean, we, we don't want to look for adversity, correct? I mean, it's not like we're out trying to create these problems, but when you are bold, I think in your life and when you, when you step out to 
I don't know, to grow, to uh, create um, just more in your life, more income, better relationships, more love. I feel like you, you open yourself up to the possibility of adversity, arrows, obstacles, right? So it's not that you're looking for it, but, but you know that they literally run side by side. Like one doesn't, in my opinion, one doesn't come without the other. Right. But his perception is always king or queen, right? In this sense, is that what somebody else would think is adversity, I may not even notice. And so the idea here is, you know, if you, you know, it, <laughs> it's, it's like, you know, if you understand how the reticular activating system works in the brain, right? It's the RAS. It's kind of what shows us, it, <laughs> look, I, I want to give you a context. You know, we don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are right? We don't see the world as it is. We see the world as we are. So two people could be standing on my deck right now. And I just showed you the view out there, right? It's gorgeous. Unbelievable. Two people stand there. One is like, oh my gosh, that's the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. The other one is like, I think it's going to rain, right? Because <laughs> if we have a negative thought stream that, that, that we allow in our head, if we understand how we can create super highways of negativity, like we can, there's a whole new science on neuroplasticity, which means we can completely redesign our brains, which means this, if you have a negative stream in your head, you are going to find, you're going to be like a crap magnet. You are going to attract crap to you. Think of yourself as a big magnet and all the crap is going to come your way. Why? Because your brain, the RAS, is going to constantly look around the environment, constantly trying to find and make you right. So if you have a negative thought, if you think people are awful, if you think, oh, people are so dishonest or people are this, when you walk through the same street I walk through and I think people are beautiful, I'm going to notice everything that's beautiful in people. If you think people are awful or dishonest, you're going to start to say, you see that guy who looks so shifty. See that woman over there? And your brain is, even though we're looking at the same thing, because of your predominant thought process, your world that you see is completely contrary to mine. So if you if you're scared of adversity, if you're if you're if you're you know if negativity is around you all the time, you're going to notice it all the time. Where someone like me, yeah, I walk right by it. You know, it's like you know if the house is broken into next door. You know, for some people, it's like oh my gosh, this neighborhood's unsafe. And for me, it's like hey yeah, they've broken in. It happens once in a while, right? It doesn't change how I show up. I don't get more paranoid. I don't start thinking because I don't, I, I, I don't, my brain doesn't work that way. Yes, sometimes houses are broken into. It's just a normal way of life. Does it mean there's a problem? No. What happens if someone breaks into my house? I always, well, I leave my doors open. The reason I leave my doors open, I think I'd rather not fix the smash window. If you want it, come in, take it, get lost. I just don't worry about those things. So in my world, the, the way I live is I, I am not seeing the world like some people do because my brain is clean of that adversity. So I would I advise anyone, if you, if you see what you notice, see what you see. When you see a person, what are the thoughts you think? Do you notice something beautiful about them right away? Or do you notice something negative about them? Do you notice their weight? Their teeth? Is it like, oh my God, that woman's got bad teeth. Is that your first process? Or, oh my gosh, look at how beautiful her eyes are. Where's your brain go when you see people? And you can reprogram your brain to notice what's right, to mm. notice what's beautiful. And when you do that, you're going to see opportunities that don't exist for those of you that have a negative stream because what you see is all the problems. And we're in the same street, we're in the same clothes, walking down the, at the same speed. But the world I experience is the 
thousand percent different from yours. Why? Because of what I think about. Because I notice the things and I and I attract them what I want. I attract more beauty. I attract the best people. I attract the opportunities. Why? Because of my spirit. And someone who's negative, how do you walk when you're when you're cautious? How do you walk when you're scared? How do you walk when you're fearful? How do you walk when you're judgmental? You walk differently. And so people look at you and they think, that person's pretty close. I don't think I want to hang around them. So the same person's gonna maybe ignore you because of how what you're thinking. And I know this sounds weird, but I do experiments with my audiences on this, just on how they think. And watching how their energy will completely shift and what happens when we start to think great things. So I could go on this for, for days on this one, but I'm telling you. David, th- this this particular podcast, I mean, I usually like all of them. I'm, I'm just, uh, as a listener, I'm going to listen to this over and over again because I, I think very much like you. I, I think very much like you. And I talk about it with people all the time. And it's just a, it's a confirmation for me that I've been on the right path. It is, it's a choice. I think it's a choice. I, I literally think it's a choice that people can actually make. Well, it's a choice only if you know it's there. See, some of you, because you've never been around this kind of stuff, you don't know there's a choice. Because if you've grown up in a negative household with negative parents and negative school or negative teachers, you you don't know that there's a choice to create the world, a new world for you. So you may be hearing this for the first time. So it is a choice for us too, because we've done so much work and we we have a choice. We know, right? Hi, honey. All right. <laughs> but it's not a choice for everyone, right? It's because if they don't know, you don't know what you don't know. Because some people are just stuck in a life. Like when I left England, you know, all my friends were doing drugs. They're all getting drunk. They were all dishonest. We were stealing cars. I mean, you know, I was in jail. But that was the world. But I didn't know that. I didn't know there was a world called personal development. I didn't know there was a world called freedom. I didn't know there was a world called choice. None of those worlds existed to me. I thought where I lived was normal and that everyone lived that way. And so for me, there wasn't a choice because I didn't know anything else existed. I had to leave my environment, which I did accidentally. And in the leaving of the environment, I started to see things like, oh my gosh, the people are nice out there. Oh my gosh, not everyone lies. Oh my gosh, not everyone gets high. I didn't know that. I thought everyone got high because that's what they did in my world that I grew up in. So I think choice is something that you get more choice as you leave your current circumstances and comfort zone to experience new things and look around with new eyes. Then suddenly you say, hold on a sec. You know, and if you're listening to this podcast, you obviously have choice because you know, you're being led by someone very who's fearless, someone who understands a, a way, can show you, and as a vehicle, because remember, success is three things, right vehicle, right time, right you, right vehicle, right time, right you, and use the big one. But, you know, if you get in the right vehicle, right time, you can create untold freedom, untold success. Ta-da! David, I just want to say to you, um, and I'm sure people have said to you this, this to you before, but I just want to tell you what you do matters a lot to a lot of people. And um, I, I just, I don't take one word you said for granted. I don't take your time for granted. I just appreciate you. And, you know, if you're listening to this podcast, listen to it again and again and again and again until it downloads into your very DNA about some of these incredible, incredible truths that David shared with you. Um, I thank you. I thank you so much. This has been probably my favorite podcast that I've recorded. And it's, I think we're, I'm almost at number 100. So thank you so much. All right. Love to you both. I think he's in the room now. Is he? Is he there? Uh, my daughter came home. That's what you oh, saw me. Wait a minute. Someone. There you go. All right. <laughs> Well, love to you and thank you again for everything you do. And remember, anyone listening right now, uh, whatever you want's waiting. It's all waiting right there. Doesn't matter what's going on. The harder it seems right now, the better the the the, the, the tastier the victory. 
And you just got to, again, just, you know, start thinking new thoughts, feeling new feelings, take new actions, and you'll have different results. So we send love to everyone from Canada. Thank you, David, so much. All right. Take care. I really hope that you enjoyed listening to this podcast as much as I did recording it with the incredible David Wood. I was just telling Bobby, I'm going to be listening to that again and again and again. There were so many incredible nuggets. I just want to say thank you for giving me almost an hour of your day today. I appreciate you. And you know, the biggest honor you could ever give me is by passing my podcasts on, sharing them on social media, emailing them to, or texting them to a friend. They're available on, on a couple of platforms, of course, on Apple Podcasts, which is on iTunes and any iOS device. I'm also on Spotify now, so you can find the Sold Out Entrepreneur Podcast there. And um, if you have an Android and you want to listen on the Android, you can also find the podcast on Google Podcasts. You can always find the podcast on soldoutentrepreneur.com and at the bobbyandmichelle.com website. I appreciate you with all my heart. I'm praying that you have an amazing, amazing week and that this podcast brought some value to your life. So thank you again. Until next time.